doing guys welcome back to the nosebleed seats podcast this is episode number 52 i am your host matt do not wait up fiori joining me welcoming back my co-host the man whose one name just wasn't enough liam the insider mufasa mccarran so the nosebleed seats took a little hiatus uh I can't even put a can't even put a timestamp onto how long it's been, but um, I'll save the excuses. I'll just say life got got in the way. A lot of stuff going on, but um, I missed this. I missed it a lot, and I texted Liam the other day, and I I was like, you know what? Let's get let's get it rolling again. So Liam, how you doing? Uh, it's good, and uh, Matt, you don't you don't have to lie. Um, I was holding out for this whole time for higher pay. Um, <laughs> I was pulling a Gilmore. I uh, I said said I had a fake injury and that I couldn't report to camp, but we got it all settled out now. Um, I'm the uh, highest paid <laughs> podcaster in lisa drive in milbury massachusetts so <laughs> it's an honor um but no yeah been good um you know it's i really miss talking about the sports with you and i'm excited to get back going again and i mean it's not like we haven't whenever we see each other at the bar we end up having an hour-long conversation about yep. it anyway so yeah time we're just recording it yep i mean uh, the the big biggest reason why I think we're back right now is because of the the recent success from um, the the two teams that we got playing right now, the Bruins and Celtics. And both teams have just been on absolute heaters over the past, I'd say, two and a half months, two months. Um, Obviously, each team made some moves at the deadline to strengthen up, and it's been nothing but nothing but glory. And uh, the Celtics did take a hit today. Uh, we'll talk about that, but um, I wanted to talk lead off 
with the Boston Bruins. I think a uh, very interesting team, a lot of headlines, a lot of uh, things have gone on with them this year. And nonetheless, they've really turned a corner, um, been a really good team. They were up to up towards second place in the Atlantic division. They've since dropped down to fourth, um, but uh, in a really tough division, the Bruins are, I mean, I would like to think that they're exceeding expectations. Um, I, I think that when coming into the season, I certainly did not think that they would be as good as they are. Um, but initial thoughts on the bees. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you said like they, they really are on fire. Um, they, this is the hottest they've been all year. It's nice right now, just, just under, 20 games left in the season too. Uh, they're finding their stride at the right time. Um, I wrote down a bunch of notes before this too. And like, I'm just like looking at like what's going on with the Bruins. It's really for the first time in a while. And Cassie breaking up the top line and moving pasta to the second. Like that's always been like people saying like, Oh, they should do that. This was actually one where like, this has worked out unbelievably moving pasta to the second line with Hall and then putting DeBrusque on the first line, it's worked out perfect. And I think one of the big reasons why this Bruins team's on this run, I mean, Jeremy Swayman is unbelievable. He is standing on his head. Yeah. I mean, I would say I put my phone right over the notes I took. Right here. Swayman, he's second in the league in goals against fourth in save percentage and he's only had three shutouts so that means like the numbers aren't skewed all that much this kid just lets up one or two goals a night it's i i think he is the truth and i think that the bruins going on a run firmly depends on him yeah um i think there's a lot of guys that you just mentioned in there um that that i mean some are due a lot of credit and some are due I'm not sure with the whole – so I was a person – you mentioned Jake DeBrusco into the, the the first line. Um, I just was amazed that he did not get traded. Um, this is – I heard reports that he requested the trade well before it got leaked, however long ago it was, um, many months ago when the that news got leaked. I heard that even beforehand he was – he was already talking to uh, management and stuff, trying to get out of there. Uh, he had a little bit of a tear. Um, he had a hat trick one game, I think against the Kings or something like that in LA. Um, really was playing good hockey and then kind of regressed to his normal self. But um, I think if he is sticking around now, um, putting him on the first line is probably the best thing you can do for him because, I mean, he's going to be playing with two, I would say, Hall of Fame players. Um, but, yeah, the, the second line um, and the third line, I'm going to give them a shout-out too. Eric Halla has been a, as good as he can be um, centering Taylor Hall, David Pasternak. Uh, maybe he's not that true second-line center like you've had with David Krejci over the past decade or so. But, man, he's done a hell of a job. He three assists the other night. Um, the Bruins are just playing really gritty hockey. Um, they're uh, they're smothering teams 
on the back end. Um, and they are just peppering teams up front on offense. Just so many shots on goal. Uh, seems like every game at the, you look at the, the box, the box score and you, the, the shots are well up into the forties almost every night. Um, Tampa, they were really peppering them with shots. So I think that's kind of their, their, um, their motto this year, I would say just kind of, we're just going to play great defense, really limit you because we're going to roll out two, two goalies that can play on any given night. And then we're just going to shoot, 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 maybe not get the best number uh, of scoring chances, but Hey, put the pucks on net and good things will happen. I mean, it's one of the uh, oldest sayings in the book when it comes to the sport of hockey. Um, Next thing I want to talk about, um, the Bruins deadline, they did make a major move. Oh, yeah. They sent over a first-round pick, two second-round picks, prospect defenseman Erho Vakaninen and the salary dump of defenseman John Moore in exchange for Anaheim Ducks left-shot defenseman, 28-year-old Hampus Lindholm, shortly after agreeing with him to an eight-year Extension worth six and a half per year. Um, at first, I really didn't like the move. I didn't really know much about Lindholm because obviously in markets like Anna, Anaheim. <laughs> yeah. And I was just going to say in Anaheim, it's halfway across or all the way across the country, different time zone, kind of pretty much a shitty team. Um, but you look at the numbers, you look at the, the, the tape and you look at his measures this kid's a brute he's a big time big kid um was the the ducks number one defenseman for just about seven or eight years that he was there um and now he's getting to play with charlie mcavoy and in the two games that he's been here um nothing but good things to say especially that tampa game jumped right in um could immediately see that he is He's uh just as good as advertised. Uh, he had a great, he had a pretty nice assist to uh, Eric Halla and route to David Pasternak's break wiggle tie things. I'm ranting, uh, so I'll let you take it over. I I think the trade was absolutely worth it. I think I mean at the end of the day, it, the Bruins would have screwed up those draft picks anyway. <laughs> so what like it, it's I think it's fine. You know, it's a first. That first would have turned into nothing because we're the Bruins and haven't drafted well historically recently. I think it's a great move. I thought it was exactly what the team needed. I was thinking maybe at the deadline I was trying to figure out, but like what the Bruins needed. And I mean, it clearly was that we were going to make a run at it. We we needed a defenseman, and I thought. You know, maybe we get like a second line, third line, get get some depth. Top tier is what we end up with. Top shelf. Lindholm is the man. I think this is a great move. This is going to be great for Charlie McAvoy's career because he's playing on a line that's just a, a menace of a player that he last, last season we got eliminated from the postseason because McAvoy just got the – Evan Linda, sorry, he got the crap kicked out of him. He McAvoy got bodied by the Islanders that whole series, and it it showed that he he couldn't do it all on his own. 
adding Lynn mm-hmm. home, that's a massive, massive, massive add. And like you said, he already is contributing on defensively and offensively. I think this is a great move. And I think the Bruins have their defensive pairing for the next seven years. Yeah. Um, the think next thing I want. Think about defensemen too, that people don't get, they don't usually hit their prime till like right around like 26, 27, 28. Yeah. So this, this kid is in like in his prime right now, which is why, because defensemen play a little longer. It takes a little bit longer to get used to playing in the NHL. So I think this was still a great move. And I, I think this is perfect for Charlie McAvoy's career. Yeah. Uh, I think when you look around the league in terms of elite young defensemen, just in terms of um, point production, stuff like that, I think of two guys. It's Adam Fox of the Rangers and Kale McCarr on the Avalanche. And you look at those two, and they have two very good um, partners. Kale McCarr having Devon Tays. They picked him up uh, from the Islanders this past offseason. And Adam Fox is Jacob Truba, a veteran, uh, brute defenseman. So uh, I, this was something that I think Charlie McAvoy didn't have. And like you said, you used the term, you really had to do everything. Uh, you, were seeing, you were seeing bits and pieces of that this regular season as well. I think it kind of led to kind of some lackluster performances out of him. Uh, he certainly – He's broken his uh, point production or point record season total already, but there have been some uh, question mark moments here and there throughout the year. I love him. I love the guy, uh, but I gotta like be honest. But I think this this move will only help him a, a lot, a lot more. Uh, he can really just kind of maybe be a little bit more offensive, like he's been trying to do, and not really have to worry about getting back and stuff. I think Lindholm is a guy that is a smart, high IQ player that can uh, really benefit McAvoy. They'll just feed off each other. Uh, the next point I wanted to get to um, is the question of the forwards. Uh, they did not go after a forward at the deadline. We were all, I think most of us were expecting them to. Um, the I just think the, the big reason why uh, was the market. You saw some of these forwards being moved for premium prices, and I really didn't see uh, the value. I think the, the best example of the deadline is forward Andrew Kopp going to the Rangers. In return, the Winnipeg Jets got a pretty decent prospect, two conditional second round picks that one could turn into a first if the Rangers advance to the conference finals and a later round pick for basically a third, third line center, third to second line center, maybe center or maybe second line center. Um, you're making a big move already by getting Lindholm. You're parting with your first round pick. You're parting with two second round picks. You're parting with a prospect already. And if you're going out and getting a premier forward, I think if they were to, they would have gone bigger than cop in terms of uh, skill and production wise. I know for a fact they checked in on Giroux, but he wanted to go to 
Florida and only Florida. Um, but that's kind of, I'm giving Don Sweeney the pass here. At first I was really upset that he didn't go out and try and make a move for maybe another winger, maybe a center. Um, but how do you feel about this forward group standing pat and now you have you have them for the playoffs you have this group for the playoffs i'm i'm completely fine with it like you you were hitting on all the big points there i i think obviously like every trade deadline in the nhl you hope your team's the one that makes a splash like the bruins did with yager way back and you just hope that you get like one of those top line forwards that can provide goal scoring and just bring a new buzz to the team um, I, I, I think that this team, how the offense is set up right now, I don't think the Bruins really needed to go out and focus on bringing in another forward, especially like you said, the market was just so high for forwards. And I, I mean, at the end of the day, going into the, the Bruins right now, I think have at least two very high quality lines and I think three if you go third line, also quality. I think right now, I think forwards, this this team is, I think, fine. I think, obviously, it would have helped to bring in another piece. But then, at the same time, like, the only thing, like, you can't – DeBrusque has been playing very well on the first line. I think he's going to get traded in the offseason. I was shocked he didn't get traded at the deadline like you were. I think that leaving DeBrusque on the first line, he <clears throat> he seems to play well with Bergeron and Marshawn, which I mean also let's face it, I could have I could be playing well with Bergeron and Marshawn <laughs> if I was on the Bruins right now. But then even you look at the second line, like Pasta and Hall, you got your wingers there too. Like there's really nowhere a top six guy could go. So I think I think that this is the right move, Stim Pack. I think Lindholm was the perfect addition. And, you know, sometimes you, you don't need to make the splash when right now the Bruins are playing their best hockey all season. And I just hope they can continue it because I I really like the, the way this team's shaping out. I mean, I'm looking at the depth chart right now and top six forwards, top four defensemen right now. I'm I'm perfectly happy going into the postseason with that. Especially with Swayman and that. Yeah. Um, another trade I'd just bring up quickly is forward Ricard Raquel. Also, of the Ducks going to the Penguins. The Penguins have to give up three, uh, one premier prospect and two other decent ones, along with a second round pick for a guy who's going to be a free agent in three months. So uh, that's what I mean. It's just like you'll make your big move, it really handcuffs you towards making another even decently sized splash because it just feels like no matter who the player is, as long as he has 10, 15 goals, you probably get in a first round pick for him. If not, if not more. So um, I agree with you. There really isn't a place for a good player to slot in. If you're keeping the and now it's just all a matter of can these forwards get the job done? Because it, it does scare me a little bit. I personally, I know we have enough on defense and 
that's really going to be our strength and it's going to be our X factor for the playoffs along with Swayman. But can these forwards keep up on a, in a seven game series up against these unbelievable offenses? Uh, the, the Maple Leafs, I mean, Austin Matthews is pushing for 60 goals right now. Um, and then you look at the Panthers. There's just, I could name off six or seven guys that, can just score at any given moment. Just the Panthers are scary. Uh, I'm not sure how they'll fare in the playoffs because I am more scared of other teams with more experiences than the than the Panthers. But oof, they're, they're a load. They are a wagon. Um, and then they get Giroux uh, to to be on the same line with Barkov. That's scary. So yeah, Pan- kind of leads into my next question is where. I mean, do you do you really think that this offense can keep up? Um, knowing knowing this team's track record, um, last year we were – I still remember the episode last year, probably right around this time when we were, we were just so fired up for the playoffs. It was the best Bruins team we had seen, and there's still a second-round exit. Can, can they get over this hump? Can they get back? to the third round, maybe beyond. Can they do it? Well, it it's a tough question because, I mean, we, we've been talking about it the whole time. The Atlantic division is is absurd. Yep, it's I, the best in the league. It, it's already set who the four will be. And I think, depending on how everything shakes, I'm, eh, not even depending. I would much rather have the wild card because then we go into the Metropolitan to play and I don't want to play Florida. I don't want to play Tampa Bay. I'd be fine with my, I'd be fine with uh Toronto because they don't have a goalie and you kind of need a goalie to win in the NHL. I I could not tell you who the Toronto Maple Leafs goalie is. But I think that I think it just it, uh, it all depends on the draw cuz like in in all reality if Bruins let's say get Florida first round losing seven like you can't even really be like that upset about it if you give Florida a good series Florida's like the second best team in the NHL so I I'm I think it all just depends on the draw if if the Bruins get the, the first wild card and go into the Metropolitan I think I think the expectation should be to go to the conference final. yeah but again it all it's tough because it's all just depends on the draw because I mean, it's Tampa Bay's won the last two cups. Florida's a wagon, and then, I mean, oh, it, it's it's tough. I it, it and if huh. <laughs> it, I just wish yeah. we in the, I wish we weren't in the Atlantic. I wish I wish we were in like the Metro but, or the Pacific. The Pacific is a freaking joke. Is is that is Colorado in the Pacific? No, Colorado's in the Central. All right. I, uh, no, yeah, I don't want to deal with Colorado right now. The Flames are winning the Pacific. Oh, okay, it's the with, with eight, teams in the West Coast. All right, with eighty-eight. Mm-hmm. What are we at? Eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Yeah. Um. It's one one point. All the same games played separates Bruins, Leafs, and Lightning right now. So. It's going to be a crazy end of the season. Yeah, I mean, since since January first, the Bruins have the third best win percentage in the league, uh, seven sixteen, only trailing the Avs and the Panthers. 
Um, so, whew, and and in that stretch, they've had some they've had some really good performances. That that game the other night against Tampa, I mean, I went into that. I woke up that morning. Just it, it felt like the playoffs to me. It was such a big tilt. Lindholm's debut. Um, even Bergeron was ruled out, and they came in. They went down to a uh, pretty sure a shorty, shorthanded goal, um, and they just fought their way back. And like I was mentioning before, they just used, kept pushing and pushing shots on net. Good defense and came away with the win. Um, that's a huge win in terms of kind of morale, just where you stack. It's like, okay, we can beat the Lightning in a one-goal hard contest game in March. That's that's huge. That's huge. Um, I will I will give the Lightning a little bit of a little bit of like a pass here in that game because that was an absolute massive win for the Bees. Don't get me wrong. But the Lightning have played one home game since uh, March 6th. Oh, wow. And they, yeah, they played, let's see, six on the road, then went home. They had a West Coast road trip. And then they came Carolina, Boston, Detroit, New York. And they're now finally going back home tomorrow. So yeah. like they they have been just traveling like you read about. So I can understand that they're kind of dropping the ball a little bit here, and they definitely have uncharacteristic of Tampa Bay dropped a lot of points. But that was still a massive, massive, massive win for the Bruins because you just gain points on a team guaranteed right there. Bing, bang, boom, mm-hmm. and now now it's a hunt. Now it's – and whoever did the Tampa Bay scheduling should be fired. Well, whoever did our scheduling should be fired. Yeah, that is also true. Before, I mean, you look at it. I mean, right, right around January, right when this team starts to get hot, it's when their schedule finally starts to to be balanced. I mean, before this team would play once every four or five nights and then get a back-to-back, and then they go back to another four-game or four-day stretch without playing. I mean, it was just absolutely insane. Just no sense of rhythm could be found, and I, it's probably the biggest reason as to why they um, came out kind of on a streaky start. Since since they've gotten a consistent schedule, schedule like normal schedule, I mean, they're the third-best team in the league, so... Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely nervous. I Bergeron's been out for a bit too. I know you just mentioned that too, but this team's still playing well without Bergeron. I mean, that's that says a lot right there. Like, just basically went with it in stride. I mean, eight one and one in your last ten is. I'm no, I'm no expert, but that's that's pretty freaking good. Yep. Um, but. To conclude with the with the bees, it's going to be interesting uh, when they have to go up against uh, Florida or Carolina or Rangers or Lightning at whatever point in the playoffs. Because it's going to happen. Uh, they they're most likely going to play one of those four, and I don't know. I just think if if you can't if you can't get to round three or more, 
uh, there there might be it could be time to retool. I won't say rebuild because with this Lindholm move, you really can't. You won't have your first round pick. Um, there's really not many guys you can trade on this team unless they're willing to part with uh, one of the big three on, on offense. I just don't see them trading McAvoy. I don't see them trading Swayman. And beyond that, no one really else on the team will get you much. So uh, I think this is a critical offseason or of critical playoffs coming up, not offseason. Um in terms of the future of the team. And yeah, I think it's that simple. Carolina is dusting Washington right now. So it's looking like, uh, looking like the second or the first wild card is going to go to whatever one of the Atlantic teams doesn't get top three. And then would have to face who? Most likely Carolina. Yeah. So, uh, I think Carolina put up 13 goals on you in six games in the last two. Uh, pretty much ended Tuka Rask's career. And I think the second game they were without Marchand and Bergeron, I think. Ah, oh, now you're making me try to remember. Yes, I think they were without both. Um, but, yeah, uh, brutal, brutal force. I mean, I think they're just as good as Florida if I'm being quite honest, um, just loaded, loaded up front. Uh, Freddie Anderson's playing out of his mind for them. So um, we'll see. I want to get on to the next, the next subject, though, because we're already pushing time here. Um, the other, other brute force in Boston is the Boston Celtics. Um, they themselves – since January 1st, it's kind of the popular date around here for these two teams. They have ranked second in terms of winning percent percentage in the league, uh, 757 going 28 and nine, just trailing the, the Phoenix suns. Um, you've seen the set, the stats on Twitter. Um, these guys have rose from the 11th seed in the East to the first, um, and they're currently battling with the Raptors right now without their pretty much whole starting lineup um, tied up at 80 as we speak. Um, they went out, made a move at the deadline. No, it was a while ago, but we'll touch on it. Nonetheless, they've traded for Derek White. Uh, I can't, don't really know what the exact trade was. They almost positive they traded a first round pick. Um, I think Schroeder was in on it too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, they traded for Daniel Tice, got him back. Um, feel like they made one more move. Could be wrong, though. But this team has really started to gel. You can see it. You can see that uh, I don't really know the the X's and O's of, of basketball, but I can definitely see when a team kind of buys in and changes the way they play. There was all the talk of can Jalen and Jason play together can the Jays make it work or should one of them be moved that was the talk I would say three four months ago and since then I mean it's been I mean they've lost I would say like I don't even know how many games they've lost in the past month I feel like I can't even remember the last time they lost uh, to the Mavs a couple weeks ago 
off like a buzzer beater, I want to say. Yeah, Kevin Kevin Garnett's jersey retirement night. Yeah. So, awesome. yeah, just really gelling together. Um, kind of being like a team that would you just hated. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kind of following along on Celtics Twitter. Everyone seemed to hate this team when Dennis Schroeder was the point guard and all that. And then, man. This is a team to fear. Um, but right before I hand it over to you today, news broke that Robert Williams, their starting center, tore his meniscus in his left knee and uh, will be out for the foreseeable future. I'm going to guesstimate the time frame here and say it's probably going to be missing just about a month, maybe a month and a half. I wouldn't really rush this. Can, I don't care if it's going to be in the playoffs. Uh, this is not a thing you rush, considering how young this guy is, considering how bright his future is. I mean, probably what? He's got to be only like 23, 22. Um, and he's been huge for them. Huge, huge off the pick and roll. Uh, his numbers really won't tell you uh, how good he is, but the efficiency, the defense, and the ability to just kind of throw the ball up at the rim and have him there as a safety blanket. Um it's a huge loss for them, huge loss. But can they manage? Can they fare? Can they go into a series against a, let's say, anywhere between an eight to a six seed and win without well, their starting big man? Well, considering the Brooklyn Nets are probably going to be like a seven seed, that 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 alone right there sucks. Yeah. I don't know if this 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 hurt because this we. Finally, get get one the number one seed back. Crawling, clawing for months. Twenty four and four in the last twenty eight is crazy, and so just this news kills. That I mean, I saw today that he is likely going to undergo surgery, and I, like you said, everything I'm reading is it's the foreseeable future and several weeks of recovery, which does not help when there's. I don't even know how many games left there are, but there's not that much yeah, time. There's like so, eight. Like I, I literally best case scenario is he, he maybe misses the first round of the playoffs, and so like, out like without without Rob Williams right now, the Celtics can definitely beat. I would say, I'm just going down the list here. I think Chicago, Toronto, Cleveland. Charlotte, Atlanta, all the teams that are in the hunt for that's five through 10. I left off Brooklyn because screw Brooklyn and they're dumb. <laughs> I, I, I cannot stand that they are just chilling down there because whoever they're going to play in the first round is going to just be so annoying. And I don't even think that they're going to, they might not even get out of the first round, but there's going to be such a hard team to play. And the, for a first round matchup, that whoever they play is just going to be set back. Like I don't know. Like it, it's just going to be. It's going to be a big difference to if like Miami plays Brooklyn, and then Milwaukee gets to play Atlanta. Like Milwaukee will roll Atlanta, and Miami would have to struggle, and, and Brooklyn will give them a series. Brooklyn will give anyone a series, and they might even upset anyone. So. Brooklyn's the only team that scares me right now without Rob Williams. Um, 
It really does stink because he he was so important to the defense. He was finally coming into his own, and you know it it does it does just stink that that's this is the way it's going down. But yeah, I, I got I got faith in the Celtics team because I I don't know why, but for some reason no one is saying that Jason Tatum should be in the MVP conversation when he has a team in first place and he's the leading scorer in the NBA. So yeah. that I don't that I don't understand. So I trust Tatum Brown. Adoka's got the offense and defense buzzing. Derek White is a bucket. I like Derek White on offense and defense. I really think the big thing about this team is that I love everyone offensively and defensively. So I have I have faith and I think the Celtics will even without Rob Williams go on a run, but man, does it just it sucks losing him. Yeah. I mean it's gonna like we just talked about, it's gonna take a toll on them in the the rebounding defensive defensive department. But uh, kind of alluded to my next point for me. Um if you have Jason Tatum playing the way he is now in the playoffs, uh, I think you have a pretty good pretty good chance. Um, 27, 8, and 4 as we stand right now. Uh, Jalen Brown is 23, uh, 6, and 3. So, I mean. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that, like you said, if you get an Atlanta team, Atlanta or one of the uh, Charlotte, I know Charlotte's down there. Can't I'd have to look up the the seedings right now. But if you're not getting Brooklyn, I still think you're a better team with with the Jays. Um, and I just think that there's so many guys that we have not even mentioned yet that have just come out of a shell uh, since January 1st when they started to get hot again. Two guys, Peyton Pritchard and Grant Williams. Huge, huge guys coming off the bench. Um, I'm really, really not sure why Pritchard wasn't even playing at the start of the year. Um, after the after the year he had last year, uh, his rookie year. I mean, this kid's a three and D player, just high energy, high defense. Um, and then he'll just come down and he can make those crazy threes. I mean, I've seen it. I've watched some of these games. It's like, wow. Like, it honestly feels like some of the threes he takes, he's the only guy on the team that can hit it. Like, it's it's amazing given his size too. Like, I think he's such a valuable asset um, that kind of flies under the radar on a given night. Pretty much say the same for Grant Williams. Um, and then there's other guys, Smart, Derek White, even Daniel Tice, Al Horford. All of them have just been so, so big in their own ways and sort of supporting the Jays, um, kind of just being those complimentary pieces, really just kind of erasing that narrative that they don't need that that third star, so to say, um, in order to win. You could just kind of have two. I mean, Jalen Brown is a star, but he really doesn't post star numbers. I mean, 23 points a game, I mean, I guess, but. Um, uh, he's been he's been hurt. He's he was hurt at the start of the year. You got to remember that too. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not even knocking him. I just think it's. I think everyone has bought into a role, and 
I think they're just kind of a thing here where it's like Tatum's show, um, Tatum's team, and then everyone else just kind of fits their their role given by whoever, the coach. I don't know, but I feel like there was none of that before. I feel like there was a lot of selfishness, a lot of egos, and who knows? I mean, maybe it's just Tatum and Brown just being sat down saying, like, listen, if, like, you guys want to keep being like this and playing like this, like this isn't going to work out. And one of you, maybe I would say one of them would have probably been shipped off probably at the soonest this off season. And I mean, Hey, they must've said, I I like it here. And yeah, it's been all smooth sailing. So many guys um, have taken on a bigger and better role. Um, that's just from what I see. Don't really see, have much of a basketball. Um, see, I don't think that would like. I think the case is. I think the the Celtics got stagnant. I think over the last year, where if you look at Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's careers, they both came into the NBA, and I think Tate Brown's like first four years, the Celtics were conference finals every year. And then same with Tatum. He came in right after, and it was – so I think they, they came into the league thinking, like, oh, like this is what we got to do to get to a conference final. And so then when you get to that point where you're like, oh, yep, conference final, conference final, conference final, it, you kind of take a lull. And definitely having Kyrie on the team for two years didn't help either of them, I don't think. And I think that this is the – I think this is the ideal squad for the Celtics to have to have success with. I mean, you brought it up. I mean, the Celtics have two stars in the NBA. I think Tatum genuinely being top, top, top tier. I think guys around the league like praise him for being one of the best players. I mean, 27 and 8 and 4 is disgusting. Like that, that, those are unreal numbers for a player to be putting up. So Tatum coming into his own, Brown coming to his own. I think the big thing was getting Marcus Smart to fall into line too. And I think they, I think they all realized that like, okay, it takes more than what we're giving to reach our final goal, which is winning the NBA championship. And I think now they're getting it. And I mean, <laughs> again, it's doom and gloom with Rob Williams being out, but, I mean, Al Horford's here for a reason and Dice is here for a reason where they both can come in and just add a couple more minutes and just take some more time to try to limit the damage that the whole Robert Williams being out is going to cause the Celtics. I think the main issue is going to come defensively losing him. He mm-hmm. He's just so good with – the Celtics' defense is unbelievable how they – just it's shifting, it's constant movement, it's switching on to guys. It it's unbelievable. I I Udoka is clearly the right man for the job and I I really I really think that even without even without Time Lord, Celtics will be fine. It sucks. It's obviously not the best case scenario, but I think I think that the core's there and I think the game plan's there where this team can still have success without him. 
that being said, I wish him a speedy recovery and to get healthy as soon as possible. Yep. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's a, like the Bruins, another loaded conference. Sixers made their move. Um, the, the Heat have been struggling, but you'd like to think they'll be there in the playoffs. Give, uh, back... give me Philadelphia and give me Miami. Yeah, back at their normal selves. The Bucks, the defending champs. The Nets are chilling at the bottom, but maybe the most talented team in the whole in the whole Eastern Conference. But we'll see. I mean, kind of like the Bruins case. Great team, but there's questions against uh, the opponents. I think that the Bruins and Celtics are in very, very similar positions right now. Um, finding fire as of late. But will it fizzle in a month? Will Is it the wrong time to get hot? Um, we'll see. So it, it is fun. It is fun to have two of the hottest teams in their respective leagues. But we'll have to see when it comes to playoffs. We'll be talking about it for sure oh, as, yeah. as it gets closer. I, I do say, like, you do bring up, like, that the Eastern Conference is loaded. i much rather like where the Celtics are than the Bruins because mm-hmm. – I mean, the Bruins, like we said, Florida, Tampa, uh, Florida, Toronto is a brutal, brutal three to have to go through. And I look at the Eastern Conference and, like, I'm looking at it and I got to try to figure out this team without Time Lord. So that'll be my homework for tonight. But, (laughs) like, I think the Celtics are better than Miami. I think they're better than Philadelphia. They're better than Chicago. I, I think the only two teams that worry me in the Eastern Conference right now are Milwaukee and Brooklyn. I I will you you never count out the team that has the best player in the NBA on it, and that goes for both Brooklyn and Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Giannis. Giannis is a freak. Giannis is everyone already knows. Giannis is you can't have a ranking list without having him top three. But I think Kevin Durant, and I hate Kevin Durant, I think he's a snake, but he is genuinely the best player in the NBA. And he, any team with him on it has a chance. So I will, I'm worried about Brooklyn as much as it is just a team of scumbags. All right. So getting up there in the timeline, I just wanted to hit on the third, the third of the four teams. We wanted to hit get to today. The Red Sox is there uh, finishing up spring training. They'll be getting going in about a week and a half, I want to say. April 7th or April 8th, I think, is the day. Opening day. Um, made a big move in the offseason a couple weeks ago. I say the offseason. It was only two weeks ago. Um, signing Trevor Story. Moving him to second base, the all-star shortstop, um, had agreed that it was Xander Bogart's position, and he was willing to to move over to get a chance to win. Um, there were a couple other teams in his in his market, including the Yankees. I don't think they offered him quite amount the of money as the Red Sox did, but uh, he still could have. Still could have went there and played shortstop for him. Um, but choosing the Sox for a chance to win. Um, this is this is a huge get. It's also a very interesting one at that as well. Um, there's a lot of talks saying... Worrisome. Yes, yes, exactly. 
does this mean does this make Xander Bogarts more expendable? Uh, can you move on from Xander Bogarts now? You have a guy uh, that's played shortstop his whole career. Um, great defensive shortstop. One of the most athletic players in the game. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but he's able to hit 30 home runs and steal 30 bases for you and play pretty good pretty good shortstop defensively. Um, but I really don't want that to be the main narrative of this, the main topic of discussion. I, I was more so just kind of bringing that up because, like you said, it's been kind of the, the, the next big thing in terms of talking about this move. Um, is the future we're, of Bogarts? Yeah, we're, we'll worry about that when when the exactly. when, that, when that bridge comes. Yes. So, what I want to get to is this infield that the Red Sox are gonna be um, playing every day with Bobby D, uh, Trevor and Xander up the middle, and Rafael Devers at third, um, along with a pretty pretty decent outfield um, and a shaky shaky pitching staff. Um, in another another case of either a great division or great conference. The Red Sox will be in maybe the hardest division in sports. Uh, outside of the Orioles, this is this division is absolutely loaded. The Blue Jays maybe had the best offseason of any team in the league. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays s- seemingly always, always find a way to win, no matter who they lose, no matter who they trade, no matter who they move on from. They have that many young prospects that can come up and fill those shoes, um, if not bigger. And, of course, the Yankees. And as much as we make fun of them, as much as their their lack of postseason success uh, has been over the past 10 years, they're still due for 90, 95 wins, if not more, every year. So does the Red Sox, with Trevor Story, stack against these four can they come out of this division can they win this division i i wrote on my notes before here this is like the toughest the al east has ever been yep it is it is literally four teams that i genuinely believe have a case to be made where they could win the world series i mean like you said blue jays unbelievable offseason they were clearly building towards something last year the Red Sox and Yankees just outran them towards the end I this is just a going to be a crazy crazy season I want whatever the under is for blue uh Orioles wins because the Orioles are going to get killed every game that they had (laughs) I feel very bad for them they're going to be like 50 games out of first by like they, fucking July. <laughs> they have to play majority of their games against the Sox, Yankees, Rays, and Jays. That is absurd. They are going to lose, and they're they're bad. They're going to lose so many games. But like you're asking, do do I think the Red Sox can win the AL East? I'm I'm going to go with probably not. Um, I think I think that one one of the other teams is just going to. I think probably the Rays. Like it's just a. It's a dumb pick, but they they just know how to run that team. So they, I mean, it's Moneyball. It's just Moneyball. They're gonna win a thousand regular season games and then do nothing in the playoffs like they always do. So I'm not really worried about them winning the World Series, but I am worried about them winning the division. Which 
I mean, it's going to be tough. I did some math before, and I looked up since the two wildcard teams have been added, the average win to get you into the postseason is 91. Um, and I think that that's, you got to get way more than that this year with all the AL East teams. The AL East is going to have three teams in the postseason again. And I just hope the Red Sox aren't the the one team left out. And I, I can't help but notice, but we took a few months off and all of a sudden you're the, the, the analytics guy here. Oh yeah, no, it's taking taking notes to read. I love up. it. And another thing, Frank, about the story signing, I am happy that I, I am starting to see what Bloom his his plan kinda is here. And it's basically just turned the Red Sox into the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And I love the story signing. I thought that was a great move because before then, the Red Sox uh, biggest signing was Kike Hernandez on in the Bloom era, which is yeah. three years now. And Kike only got signed for 12 mil. And that's 12 mil spent over two years. So <laughs> that isn't really that big of a contract. So happy to see that they're starting to spend – and I, I think this offense is going to be legit. And as you said, shaky pitching staff, that is the one main concern with Chris Sale injured um, again, like always. So, but again, the nerds that are ruining baseball are just going to do analytic stuff with the bullpen and the Red Sox will be fine. So, yeah, I was just going to ask, but you seem to answer me. Mm-hmm. Um, this rotation, this bullpen, um, without sale, uh, maybe you call Eovaldi a, a star, star-like pitcher. But other than that, there really is no, there really is no big name. Um, Garrett Whitlock, obviously, coming off a huge season, um, probably going to see the same from him. I saw reports that they may be looking to move him to the starting rotation after a little bit um, when the regular season starts, and doing so with that i mean you're you're kind of filling a hole in the rotation but then you're also creating one in the bullpen as i mean who knows maybe matt barnes comes back uh to pitching to his normal self after a up and down season last year um after the whole the whole sticky stuff came came about he his numbers just completely fell off the table and I don't know. I mean, in a division with all these bats, Aaron Judge, Wander Franco, Vlad Guerrero, and then there's many, many more. Whew. I mean, I don't know if Nathan Navaldi once every five days and Garrett Whitlock once every two or three is going to be able to mend um, not getting blown out every day by these, by these offenses. Matt, Matt, the the nerds, the ner- you're forgetting about the nerds. They, <laughs> these these games are going to take about five and a half hours each because the Red Sox are just going to keep changing pitching. You sound like Felga. <laughs> they, I mean, hey, Felga's got some truth there, but I it is true because like I was looking at this rotation. Hey, I forgot we signed Michael Walker. No, how about that for a blast from the past? I remember him lighting it up for the Cardinals that one season, but. Yeah. I, I you look at it and it's just like it's really no one you have real faith in, and 
I think that just the Red Sox are just going to be like, yeah, we can get four innings out of whoever starts. That's fine. The bullpen could take us the rest of the way and just have each guy take an inning. It, it these games are going to take forever. They're going to take. They're going to take so long to play these games until Sale gets back, and then even when Sale's back, they're only going to have him pitch five innings at max. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's. This is where this is where the I'm gonna hate the nerds is watching a Red Sox game because there's gonna be so many goddamn pitching changes. I'm also gonna I'm also gonna predict that they they're not done. I think that they're gonna make one more move. Um, I don't think it's gonna be big, obviously, but I think it's going to be a trade that does impact the major league roster. Uh, I I think it will be a pitcher, uh, probably a reliever. I would say if I were to be predicting. Um, Sitting behind Heim Bloom's desk, I would say that they're going to be in the market for one more, one more reliever. That's my prediction in that. But um, I would agree. I don't even know who's out there still, though. Yeah, it'll be it'll be someone you probably never even heard of. Um, I just think that oof, there's really not. I mean, Ryan Brazier. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but Ryan Brazier has been absolutely getting lit up in spring training. Yeah, um, I have. Uh... I have seen that a little bit. Yeah, so I um, encouraging. If Ryan Bridger is supposed to be like your, I mean, I would say biggest mid inning pitcher. Uh, maybe not like a setup setup man or closer, but uh, a guy that you look towards in the in the fifth or sixth that you need tough outs. I would say Bridger is that guy. Maybe Garrett Whitlock you say the same, but um, I would expect every every single pitching prospect the Red Sox have to make appearances for the Red Sox this year. Yeah. I think I think they're going to be calling guys up and down from Worcester, just depending on the day. Because mm-hmm. I, I think they are going to need help pitching-wise. I mean, it... Dude, this rotation's bad. <laughs> this rotation's really bad now that I'm actually, like, sitting down and looking at it. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's <laughs> I, I can't even... So, I think the, the, the plan is for Tanner Houck to, to be a starter. But this is a guy that did not pitch many innings last year. Um, and he's ve- been very inconsistent. I mean, he has the stuff. We always make the Chris Sale comparison with him, uh, just in terms of the, the release angle, the, the body frame, that kind of thing. But, I mean, just when you think he's turning a corner, he'll come out and have a stinker. So, with, with that, I mean, you're looking at, Avaldi, Pavetta, Hauk, Waka, and geez, I don't even know who the fifth guy is. Yeah, I, I they, couldn't even. They have Paxton coming back mid year, coming off TJ. And I think I think Purcell. he's going, I think he's I think he's going right to the right to the pen, Paxton. You think so? Yeah, I think he's going right to the pen. Hmm. Maybe they I... do a bullpen day kind of thing approach oh like the race oh yeah heim's gonna time's all about that dude again the, the <laughs> that's his roots the nerds calculators are <laughs> managing these games now <laughs> is uh is your boy Cassis gonna gonna make the big league roster the moose nah he'll help he'll, he'll start the year quickly i don't know if you've seen pictures of him they, they i saw a picture of him like just kind of holding first base with the runner on he is huge, dude. He's huge. I don't know if you follow the account, 
the the Red Sox stats, but he calls him the moose. And it really is the perfect, perfect description for him. He's massive. But I think the expectation there is you start him in Worcester. He'll probably rake. And you don't rush him. I mean, you got to – they didn't really rush Jaron Duran, but they also called up Jaron Duran maybe too soon after everyone was preaching and vouching for him to come. And he wasn't that good. So um, I think you got to be really patient, especially with Bobby Dahlbeck. I mean, My the, Red Sox, the Red Sox are a team. They don't need a – like they don't need another bat. Like Bobby Dahlbeck oh, no. being their their seventh hitter is completely fine. Like they don't need Tristan Cautious. They don't. I mean, would they would they like him? At, oh, absolutely. But um, they yeah, don't need him, it. Let him develop. Let him develop. Yes. I think a half season in Worcester uh, will be perfect for him. Uh, we'll get to see him at Polar Park for a little bit before he comes a superstar for the Red Sox. So it'll it'll be the best of both worlds. So well, easy. Um, Westfield State's finest Bobby Dahlback will be <laughs> will be batting three thirty with forty dingers this year. So I was actually at the. I actually went down to JetBlue the other day. Caught a spring training game. Caught yeah. a uh, Dahlback. What up? Any errors? <laughs> nah, he hit a home run. Oh yeah. I caught a Devers foul ball. Uh, pretty much. Saved a old lady from getting absolutely pegged in the leg by a screamer of a foul ball. Yeah. Dove right, in, dove right in front of it and caught it two handed like a football. It was sick. <laughs> Everyone was clapping for me. I was like, "Wow, this is pretty cool." First, I'm 22 years old. It was the first foul ball I've ever caught at a at a baseball game. <laughs> I I I'm 23. One hasn't even come in my general direction <laughs> yet. But you're good, yeah. good to know you're you're the Jamar Chase of of foul ball catching. <laughs> uh, but I mean, one thing to note on that place, actually insane, of how nice that facility is for uh, a place that they use for maybe two months, month and a half out of the whole year. I mean, I know they have a lot of like rookie ball stuff down there throughout the year, but this place is like gorgeous dude it's huge like the 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 whole facility not just the stadium they have like six fields in the back and then the big field the jet blue it's insane like i was just like saying the whole time to my girlfriend i was like this is just not necessary (laughs) this is not necessary for one month of games (laughs) being played here it's nuts yeah yeah they can afford that but they can't afford mookie bets Yep, exactly. I also, it was like 95 degrees that day with not a cloud in the sky. And I probably got the worst sunburn I ever got in my life. Did not wear an ounce of sunscreen and I was hurting for the rest of my vacation. I was pissed. Uh, but oh, hey. uh, yeah, wait, quick before we go, um, shout out to guests of the program, Ryan. Dude, you Hort. took it right out of my mouth. I was just going to say it. A Karen beats him to it. Shout out to friend of the program, Ryan Ward. Got in the uh got to play with the MLB team in spring training. So good for him. Um bad golfer, good at baseball. What can you say? Um, for those I'm not not gonna let you I'm not gonna let you lie like that for those who don't know. Amazing golfer. But like I, like Liam said, 
Um, if you're listening, man, congrats. It's huge. Got to watch your at bat yesterday. Um, got to see make a couple nice grabs and left. Um, really, really doing well. Um, going up to double A, I think, right? Yeah, Tulsa Drillers is awesome. the projected. Awesome. But yeah, kind of cool. Got a professional baseball player taking hacks in the same lineup as some of the biggest stars in the game on our podcast. So that's really cool to see. Um, really supporting him. Like, really awesome to see. Um, he actually snapped me yesterday and was like, turn on MLB Network at four. I was like, okay. So then I'm watching this random spring training game for the, for the whole freaking game. And he finally got it. And I was like, thank God, dude. Thank God. I, I tried to, I tried to stay up for the, uh, the Friday night, his first game, he was on the big league team. And I think I fell asleep in like the fourth. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? We could try and get him back on. I'm sure he'll probably, right. I know his schedule is going to be busy, but um, definitely want to check back in with him. A lot of stuff's been going on. So that'd be a pretty cool episode as well. Yeah. I'll see. I'll see if I can, if he wants to come back on. Yep. All right. So that puts us at just about an hour, a little bit over. Um, Great to be back. I thought this went pretty smooth. We're back. Yeah. Um, we'll be hitting on many other subjects. Did not get to the Patriots today, um, but we will. We'll be talking, probably have a whole episode for you about all that's gone on. The craziest NFL offseason in history, as well as the draft coming up. Um, then we'll have the playoffs for you um, for football, and uh, basketball, and hockey. And real baseball quick. season. Let me let me sum up the Pats real quick. I'll get I'll do it in one second. That about sums up their off season. Big old <laughs> wet fart. Yep. But it wasn't even worth talking about today. I mean, we, we me and Liam were talking before this, before we hit the record button, and we we're like, should we talk about them? We we're just like, no. Like, there's so much other stuff we need to get to. Why even bother? Like, I just... I. It, it, all it would do is just would send us into a rant that would be incoherent. <laughs> yep. So we'll save that for next time. Oh, yeah. That rant's coming. <laughs> all right. So we'll probably be getting back in maybe the once a week, maybe twice a week range, depending on how uh, the sports, our, our teams start to, to do and stuff like that. Kind of just play it by ear. Yeah. Sounds good to me. All right. This has been the Nosebleed Seeds Podcast. We will see you very, very soon. Have a good one.